Mm, yeah, the, the the light that comes on most often is them is organizations recognizing that sales isn't just those crazy people that work in that room over there or run around the country uh, playing golf and taking people out to drinks and somehow money falls into the company. Um, it's a it's a little bit of a misconception. That, you know, the sales function, if we want to talk about a, a whole revenue operation, which would be you know, all the client-facing functions of the business, marketing, sales, client success and support, um, all of those functions need to be um, coordinated, integrated, running like the uh, a smooth machine, just like the production department is in a manufacturing operation or... Welcome to the Happy Dog Sound Bites Podcast. Today's guest is John Anderson with the Side Hill Group. John Anderson has began his career in Silicon Valley in the early 1980s boomer bust period, but really he honed his craft over that period of time as being a quote-unquote sales fixer. So I'm not going to go into too long of a bio with him because I want to hear directly from him. So John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Awesome. So Right away, just can you tell me more about yourself and your business? Yeah, great. So um, many, many W-2s of going through sales operations, first as a salesperson and then as a sales leader in organizations where something was missing that made it difficult for me as a salesperson and then uh, in later years as a sales leader to generate the numbers that we needed to generate in the sales, the sales team. And when I would recognize what was missing, put the structure, the processes, some strategy in place, do a bunch of the research and sort of lay that foundation. It then became real easy for me as a salesperson and later as a sales leader to guide my sales team into just blowing the numbers out of the water on a regular and consistent basis. And when you do that enough um, and you go into some organizations that um, don't want to adopt the changes that you want to make and they, and they don't succeed and you move into other organizations and they do adopt those changes and they do succeed. You start getting a reputation that sort of guided me through my career at Silicon Valley um, from the mid eight and mid, early to mid eighties, all the way through to uh, 2001 when I moved out here to New England, did the same thing here um, half a dozen or more times. And then um, finally recognized that I'm really not a keeper and I can provide a lot more value to businesses by uh, hanging a shingle out and doing this love, this type of work for multiple different organizations at the same time. So started the business in 2009 and have been uh, growing and expanding, scaling up, adding advisors and so forth since then. And now our, our focus and our practice is helping organizations generate that top line through organic growth more consistently um, by aligning what's happening strategy-wise and process-wise in the sales function with what the organization needs so that salespeople can be more productive uh, in doing the selling part of the business. So in focusing on, I like to say, sales the noun versus sales the verb. And uh, I've been doing that now for, I guess we're going on 12 years uh, pretty quickly and um, having a blast. Well, 12 years, that's quite a run. And if I recall correctly, you're in New Hampshire, right? We're based in New Hampshire and uh, have office in uh, New York City and one just outside of Boston as well. 
Oh, nice. How many advisors are working with you? So uh, all of our advisors are independent and most of them have their own their own practice and, and specific area of focus. We have eight right now um, in various areas across the country. And we, we bring each of them in uh, based on the, the scope of the project, the type of business, the market that they're serving, uh, so that we're applying the level of expertise um, to this you know, the unique situation that any company is in. Nice. And so how does Sidehill Group take troubled companies and then return them to solvency? Uh, so the, you know, because our focus is on the top line, you know, what we really look at is how does this organization sell? How do they bring product to market? And uh, the primary focus first is looking at what is the, the sales and, and marketing or go-to-market strategy. Are we selling the right products to the right clients at the right margins is uh, sales productivity what it needs to be um, are we spending you know for example are we spending way too much on salaries and commissions to have people do things that they don't they shouldn't be doing um, and can we redirect that same amount of activity and effort in in a more productive way so really the the, the first thing is aligning the go-to-market and selling aspects of the business to the overall organizational goals. And it, it is, it seems odd, but that is the one thing that is the most often um, out of alignment when an organization is, is failing and really needs to turn things around. Uh, so first looking at, at how, we're, how we're generating, excuse me, how we're generating revenue, and then what are the activities and behaviors that are happening to make that, that revenue action plan Realize So strategy first, uh, and that, again, is everything from who are we selling to, who's a good client, who's not a good client, uh, what, are, what should we be selling, what should we stop selling, where should we be selling it, and then how are we going to get that out into the market in the most productive way. The second piece that we look at then is, all right, if this is the number that we need to hit, and this is you know, sort of this is the, the, the way that we're going to do it, processes sort of the step-by-step actions that we're going to take. And first, we're going to do this. Next, we're going to do that. Then we're going to do that and start setting up a function for the the, the revenue operation or sales function that has the same type of processes and structure and systems that every other function of the business uh, typically has. When you think about finance, for example, there's a set of rules and guidelines that financial um, professionals need to follow in order to move from one step to another to another before filing taxes or issuing payroll or whatever the process might be. And those guidelines are very clear. Same with engineering practices, same with many HR practices, production practices, and so forth. Sales often is the part of the organization that lacks that structure. So we bring that structure in build it up, make sure that the right systems, processes, the modern automation and, and AI functions are all working and running smoothly in accordance with what the organization needs to achieve, and then align people to what it is we need them to do so that their activities and behaviors are focused on what is the most important activities that are going to drive organization objectives forward. So um Really looking at the, I want to say the back office of sales first, and then making sure that once that's set up and we know what we need people to do and how we need them to do it, we get the right people in the right seats to actually start executing on that plan. That sounds very comprehensive and very thorough. It, you know, it's um, it's interesting that um, there's there's a lot of unique. 
um, aspects in going into an organization because everyone's got you know, first the leadership team and, and the salespeople have their own individual personalities. Clients have the same. Every single one of them is different. The company is different. The people in those companies are all different. So there's a lot of nuances to take into account when we're talking about how are we going to do this and you know, what are our differentiating um, value propositions and all those fun things. But interesting, the core elements are very similar across all businesses, whether it's a, a precision manufacturing organization or a service provider or a, or a healthcare delivery organization. The, the core elements are all very much the same. It's the, you know, I want to say the structures are the same. It's the dressing that we put around it, the, the uniqueness of um, process steps and uh, client um, client ranking um what type of selling skill sets we need, hunters, farmers, you know, that type of thing that get modified and tweaked a little bit uh, as we go forward. So okay, pretty comprehensive, yes, but uh, not not as difficult as it sounds when you know what to do. <laughs> I suppose. And for that reason, does usually the reason for failing performances jump out at you or do you do have to do a little bit of discovery to find it? Uh, great question. So uh, typically, we'll go, when we first start an engagement, the very first thing we do is a, a really deep and organization-wide assessment. We look at how the organization is running overall to understand interaction between uh, the revenue generating piece and the rest of the business that's delivering the product or the service uh, and supporting it in in some way. And then uh, really diving into the, the elements of what are the individual people doing across the board um, in relationship to sales to make sure that the organization is moving in the right direction so that the assessment takes a you know usually two to three weeks to really get that good full insight on what's really happening and then we can identify what the the biggest pain points are for example or the biggest hurdles to to growth prioritize what we want to work on first second and fourth kind of things um, and then, and then dive in and uh, start making changes. Well, a lot of times we are absolutely building the airplane as it's running down the runway. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a fun analogy. Um, so that's great when businesses start working with you and you get things going, but what is the biggest thing holding businesses back from realizing that they would need a service like yours? Mm, yeah. The, the, the light that comes on most often is them is organizations recognizing that sales isn't just those crazy people that work in that room over there or run around the country uh, playing golf and taking people out to drinks and somehow money falls into the company. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of a misconception. That, you know, the sales function, if we want to talk about a, a whole revenue operation, which would be you know, all the client-facing functions of the business, marketing sales, client success and support, um, all of those functions need to be um, – coordinated, integrated, running like the a smooth machine, just like the production department is in a manufacturing operation or service delivery in a consulting operation. Uh, the expertise that's required needs to be applied in the right way at the right at the right time. And organizations recognizing that their revenue operation requires that same attention to strategy and process and then alignment of execution on the process, um, is the part that you know that's the that's the big aha moment that most of them get to and when they realize that they they've been 
running their organization strategy and letting sales kind of tag along. <laughs> um, and well, that's just the way sales is, is, is what we hear a lot. That not that just the way sales works? Um, the big aha moment is no, that's not the way sales works. Not if you want consistent revenue and consistent growth. So what is one common myth about your profession that you would like to debunk here on this podcast? I love this question. So what what happens the most, particularly in small and, and I want to say the, the lower end of the middle market, what we, almost always happens is they tr- when sales begins to lag and revenue starts falling off and the organization starts getting into a into a pinch because the top line is just not there or not there consistently enough for them to plan, often what they look to is the salespeople. And they bring in sales training, they bring in coaching, and they try to get the salespeople as individuals to improve uh, their craft. So the challenge with that is, and the reason why just fixing the salespeople doesn't work in most cases, is that if you've got really great salespeople, but they're working within a structure that inhibits them from being successful on a consistent basis, or let's say a good example is their compensation plan rewards them for retaining existing business, but doesn't incentivize them to go out and get new business. Now you've got a structural issue here that is preventing um, salespeople from doing what it is we need them to do and what they're really good at. And so they, you know, they, they don't, they don't or they can't do it. The really good salespeople in those environments get frustrated and leave because they can't earn what they believe they're worth. You know, off they go. And what you're left with is a sales team that's mediocre or marginal performers at best. And they're comfortable and happy um, living in the organization, being paid what they're being paid for doing half the job. So the, 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 the myth that sales training is what's wrong, that the salespeople are what's wrong is um, the biggest, well, the, excuse me, the biggest hurdle that we overcome. And the solution to that is, you know, put the systems, the processes and the structures in place, make sure that there's really clear guidelines for this is what the salespeople need to do. And this is how we're going to measure whether or not they are or are not doing the right things on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis. And then, then you can tweak and tune how they're doing it at the individual level to move the organization forward consistently. So it's, it's the structure that the salespeople are operating within and what they're being held accountable to. That's most often the challenge, not, not so much the time that they're spending um, out in the field engaging with people. And people look at the trees, but not the forest. You got it. Yep. Okay. I, I got it. All right. So in this climate right now, the pandemic has floored a lot of businesses and I'm sure some of the people that you've worked with as well. So in a particular situation, let's say like COVID-19, how do your services help out in that scenario? Great. Yeah. We are doing a lot of this sort of helping organizations pivot or, or retrench um, their direction in the face of disruption. And it could be any disruption. We, you know, I, I was doing this as an employee during 9-11. Uh, you know, I started my business in 2009. Um, <laughs> there was a, there was, it was a really great time to start a revenue advisory business. Um, so <laughs> the source of the disruption is really not the challenge. Um, 
what we help businesses with and the work that we're doing with a lot of organizations right now is helping them step back and take a look at how do we generate revenue? What is the best way for us to, to you know, re-enter the market? You know, where is our growth opportunity? Where is our client maintenance opportunity? Because the fastest way to grow a business is to keep your existing customers <laughs> and then add to them. Um, so it's getting back to that strategy set up and making sure that what we're doing with the limited resources that we have is maximized by investing time, resources, energy, the, you know, the marketing and the sales budget needs to be focused on who are and where are the most likely new candidates for clients rather than, you know, as, let's say a good example is rather than a spray and pray, um, process where we're just going to put as much out there as we can and see what sticks really have to step back, take a look at the market, the conditions that are present now, get some sense of what the conditions are going to be like over time. Is this going to last six months, nine months, three years, and then reorient the strategy that the revenue operation is following so that we can then put in the structural and activity things that we need to do to realize that strategy. And once that's in place and we start taking action on this, it's measure, adjust, measure, adjust, measure, adjust, measure, adjust on a much more frequent basis than, uh, you know, every quarter looking backwards and saying, well, we missed it. Let's uh, let's see if we can make it up next quarter. Um, it, it really is something that needs to happen frequently, you know, depending on sales cycle times, you know, weekly, monthly at minimum, really looking and tweaking and tuning what we're doing to make sure that everyone is on track uh, to keep the organization moving forward. You'd mentioned measure adjust and you said that four times. So <laughs> just by saying that, I have a feeling that you, there are some businesses that just don't do enough measuring. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, the uh, very, very correct. And you know, what often happens is begin because they lack that that process, they lack the infrastructure uh, of a good revenue operation. Uh, what they're measuring with regard to revenue is typically just the dollars. Uh, did we hit the number or did we not hit the number? And what we're not looking at is, are we, do we have enough prospects in our funnel? Are they the right prospects? Uh, are the actions that we're taking productive or not productive? Is our, is our, for example, is our marketing messaging hitting the right people in the right place at the right time? Um, are salespeople talking to the right people? Are we engaging people um, and having to evangelize them and train them into what it is that, that we're doing? Or are we going in and we're you know, trying to satisfy an existing need that they already have and they just didn't know that we had the solution for them? It's all, looking at all of those factors and making sure that every resource that we have applied to you know, our customer-facing action is maximized by doing the most productive thing that's going to move the organization forward the, the most quickly and the most profitably. All right. And speaking of uh, measuring things and, and working uh, with data in your industry, I'm going to pivot this conversation a little bit towards the tech side of things. Mm. So what is your favorite software and or app to use in your line of business? So the, there's one particular tool. It's a, it's a new tool um, from Reforce International. Uh, they're a Swedish company. Uh, they have a tool called Howie, H-O-W-W-E. And Howie is, um, it's a digital goal steering platform um, to keep 
keep it very simple. What it does is it allows organizations to keep every function, every team within that function, and every individual on that team focused on what are the activities, what are the things that I can do each week to make sure that I'm doing my part to keep the organization on track for achieving its most important goals. So it helps prioritize activity and provides a, a, a very fast, very uh, visible rating of whether or not the organization is or is on, not on track for the, achieving its most important goals. And when it's off track, where is it off track? Is it, um, you know, is, is the sales team, for example, doing enough of the right things or are they doing um, enough of the right things, but in the wrong way, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, so by guiding um, what we call ex- the acceleration KPIs, the, the things that are the most important to do and keeping people focused on those rather than the, the day-to-day stuff that so many great people often get stuck in and feel mired in day-to-day, keeping them focused on do this first and then this, and then let the rest of the day-to-day stuff, you know, go where it needs to go. Um, and then guiding that through the entire organization so that everyone is focused on doing the most important activities that will drive the specific goals that their function, their team, their group need to deliver for the overall organization strategy. Now we have visibility not into just what did happen, but to what will happen if we don't make changes in a specific place or with a specific group. So, um, sort of a, let's call it a business agile tool that provides instant visibility at any moment on, are we on track or are we off track? And Mm -hmm. if we're off track, what is it we need to tune this week, not next month, not next quarter, that's going to put us on track. So it's a very, I want to say a very forward looking tool that brings information in from the entire organization. So instead of just looking backwards and saying, okay, that didn't work, let's try something different. We're getting some hindsight into if we don't make a change, here's what's going to happen going forward. That's H O W W E. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Um, Reforce so uh, is Reforce International. So if you look that up, that's their website as well. Oh, okay. Perfect. And if you had a magic wand, how would you streamline all of this data to? help either your business or your clients businesses because you do you have data from a few different spots so if you had a magic wand how would you make it even better uh, the, the the best way is to make sure that we're measuring the right things but also not looking at data of just what happened it's the magic wand is what is the data telling us about what's broken and identifying where and what needs to be fixed is it is it the way we're executing? on a process step or is it the process step or is it some combination of those things? So the, the, the magic wand is, we, there's so much data out there anyway, the magic wand is being able to cl- really clearly identify exactly which seat or which function or which group needs attention right now so that uh, it doesn't bring down or that group doesn't bring down the entire rest of the organization's ability to achieve its objectives. It's that visual insight into what is the data telling us about whether we're on track or off track. That's truly where the rubber meets the road, correct? Or you and I could look at data all day long, but 
you have to be able to glean some sort of insight from that data to make an actionable plan, correct? Exactly. And that's, you know, we've got, there's so many, so many tools out there for tracking what has happened, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and looking backwards is great. Um, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, um, But then you have to turn around and, and figure out how, how is this going to apply tomorrow, next month, next quarter, if we keep going on the same path that we're on right now. Um, so you know, the magic wand for me would be um, a very clear picture of what are our next three to five steps forward as opposed to what is my next step. All right. And getting a little bit more granular with this data, what kind of data is the most important in the turnaround industry and how does it get mismanaged most often? Uh, so um, you know, the you know, revenue history is is a given. You know, it, it, it has happened. Um, profitability and EBITDA has happened, right? This is this is what the organization has delivered. What gets missed the most often is on the revenue side, if the the way the revenue generating team functions is not delivering consistently in a with a consistent growth trajectory, whether that's recurring monthly revenue, annual renewals, or you know, the number of new clients in a sort of a one and done environment, um, if we're not generating that revenue in a consistent, reliable way, what has happened in the past is not a predictor. That's, <laughs> it's in every disclaimer everywhere, is not a predictor mm -hmm. of what's going forward, but it's the one area that's the most often overlooked when someone's looking at the value of the business is, is the revenue stream from this business really going to be maintained going forward after a transaction, for example, or um, you know, if we're going to invest in growth and turning this thing around, where do we invest? Is it in technology and innovation? Is it in you know, production enhancements? Is it just cost cutting? Or do we really need to fix how this organization generates revenue so that we can trust the forecast for once? This has been chock full of some great information, especially regarding the sales uh, side of things. But now I'd like to pivot a little bit into what I like to call the lightning round. And this Ooh. is where I ask you five questions and there's no such thing as a wrong answer. It's the first thing that pops into your head. It's just us getting to know you personally a little bit better. So you ready to dive into it? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, first one's a, the easy one. What's your favorite food? Tacos. <laughs> Any particular type? Because you could do pork tacos, chicken tacos, so, uh, veggie tacos, social If someone makes a killer batch of carnitas, I'm all in. Ooh, nice. Okay. Favorite place you've traveled to? All right. So I'm a scuba diver and there is this little island off the northeast coast of Borneo, um, called Sipaten. And it is a, it's a turtle sanctuary. It's a little 10 acre, uh, atoll that's uh, on the top of a volcanic spire that comes up off the ocean floor about 2,500 feet. And it is the best diving on the planet. Really? Uh, okay. Hands down. <laughs> All right. No, it's good to know. <laughs> Um, next question. Do you have any pets? And if so, tell us all about them. So, um, <laughs> so I, my, my home is in, um, uh, an old Victorian era farmhouse, um, in Southwestern New Hampshire. And 
So I have in the barn, and there's a long story between what happened between the 26 chickens we had and the chicken that I have now. Um, so okay. I have I have a chicken out in out in the in the hen house that lays three or four eggs a week for me, and um, and my dog Dora, who's uh, 12 years old, she's a uh, pit bull boxer mix uh, rescue okay. that I picked up uh, nine years ago, and and she's uh, she's sleeping right now next to me on the rug. She came downstairs just Aww, a few minutes ago. <laughs> sweet thing, probably yeah. very playful and fun, huh? She's a blast. Uh, loves l- anything squeaky, and it uh, it's done. It doesn't last long, but um, that's okay. <laughs> That's all. That's what dogs are for you. Um, all right. Next question. What's one thing that makes you cringe? Ooh, um, someone lying to me. Bold faced liars. I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Amen to that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, what does your future hold? So, uh, Love this question because it's been you know, everywhere. I think everyone has been looking backwards the last six or seven months, going, "What the hell?" Uh, <laughs> we're continuing to move forward. So, you know, for us, it's um, our mission is to make sure that everyone in organizations that we're working with goes home happier on Friday than they did before we got there, and that level of happiness is a direct influence on the certainty of their career path, their business, um, the organization continue to grow and thrive. So they don't have to worry about the money part. And we know if we can send people home happier on Friday, their home life is going to be better. Their kids are going to grow up in a, a very different way than someone who's going home stressed out and moving forward. And so my future holds continuing to work in a way that's going to create more joy across the world by making sure people are going home happier on Friday. That's what we want to do. Well, that's a perfect segue into my last question, which is lastly, how do people get in touch with you, John, or Sidehill Group? That would be great. So uh, they can go to the website. It's uh, sidehillgroup.com and contact us there. Um, ongoing workshops and webinars and things that we might be doing. There's a registration page for those. And um, if they want to reach me directly, my f- direct phone is 603-762-3710. And uh, I love talking to people. Perfect, John. John, I appreciate your time so much today. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Ryan. Great to be here. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you. Right, thanks.